But today I want to start just a two-part series before we get into my Christmas series on being in step with God. And Michael, do you have my background? So uh, I have a verse and the reason for this in a moment, but uh, have you ever thought about running with horses? I never have, honestly, because horses trample you, right? We, we can, yeah, not if you're on your other backs, but, you know, I, does anybody like Western movies? The worst part in a Western movie is when you're on the cattle drive, right? And you fall off your horse, and whether you just get run over by cattle or uh, run over by horses. I mean, did anybody watch uh, The Man from Snowy River? Growing up as a kid, when, when uh, Daniel Craig got... Jim. Who's Daniel Craig? Is that his dad? Maybe that's his dad. Is that his dad? It is. Is that James Bond? Oh. Anyways, I guess the new Bond movie is already out, but COVID stopped it. So who knows when that's going to be released. So not Daniel Craig, Bond. Jim Craig, the Aussie. There's this part where he gets trampled by the horses. And as a little kid, seeing that, I remember when that movie came out, I watched the movie theater. I thought, oh, I never want to be around horses. Because I don't want to get run over by him, right? Well, we, there, there's a verse about this in the Bible. We'll, we'll get more to this soon, but just want to give you some context to why I have that back there. But I want to talk about being in step with God. And there's a verse we're going to get to in Jeremiah chapter 12 where it says, If you cannot keep pace with men, how do you expect to run with horses? And we're in this time where people can feel overwhelmed. Where people feel that there's this more than I can handle. But God has given us promises in, the word, in His Word that if we follow how He says to live and things that He says to do, that we can actually not just keep pace with the men of the season, but we can actually run with horses too. So that's why we have that behind me. But uh, I've, I've got a lot of uh, groundwork to lay before us before I get to my points this morning. But I want to first go to 1 John chapter 4. In verses 2 and 3 it says, This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in, real, in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and is indeed already here. So this last year I've talked a lot about end times. I've talked about the tribulation, the rapture of the church, and all these things. But... I don't believe we're in that now. We're not in the tribulation period. So go, thank you, Lord. I didn't miss the rapture. It hasn't happened yet. But it's interesting here in 1 John how it talks about how there is a spirit of the Antichrist. And that he is already here. But there's already a spirit of the times and the seasons we're in that is also here. So um, we know that he is coming, this Antichrist. We know that when he does come, that he's going to say that he has solutions for problems to the world. He's not Joe Biden, okay? He wasn't Donald Trump, okay? Some people say that too. He wasn't Barack Obama. But there is a spirit of the Antichrist where there's problems and there's weariness and someone's going to come and say, I have the answers to this. But the spirit of that is already here in this time right now. He's coming. These antichrists, but the spirit of the antichrist, as we just read in 1 John chapter 4, is already here. Now, just some more, some more context, Luke chapter 21, this was a, a focus of, of, of many of my sermons in the first part of the year before COVID. 
It says in verse 25, And there will be strange signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things, here's the focus, begin to happen, stand, look up, for your salvation is near. We see things starting to take place. Again, we're not in the tribulation period. I just, I don't believe we are. And I'll, I'll get more to that in a moment. But there is a spirit of things taking place that we can see the beginnings of these things. What I know is that the spirit of this end times season is upon us right now. And it's growing stronger. Another, uh, so Luke 21, Mark 13, Matthew 24 all have the same um, is that the Olivet Discourse, right? Where Jesus is talking about these things to come. In Matthew 24, verse 8, it says, But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. I really do believe that we are so much closer to the return of Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday. There's a no-brainer, right? I mean, the Bible says that. We, I mentioned last week in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, As the day approaches, the day of the Lord, we should be not forsaking the assembling of each other, of, of, the, of the church, but it should even more so meet. And I, I see uh, what I would say is a, the, the spirit of the Antichrist trying to fracture the church as the day of the Lord approaches. I, I think we, we saw this with COVID. I'm not saying... Uh, well, I guess I am saying this. Looking back now in hindsight, I probably would have done things differently. But for what I knew at the time, and what we were trying to do as far as keeping people safe and stuff like that, closing the church, I think, man, I look back at that, and I'm thinking, we closed the doors of the church. As we should be assembling more, here we are now assembling less. Scared of what can happen to us in the physical versus what is coming our way very soon. So, um, all of that to this. In the tribulation period, we, we read in Revelation chapters 6 on this, this period called the tribulation period. And there is something, have you ever heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Well, we've got these horses here. And I want to talk to you this morning about how just as there is the spirit of the Antichrist among us, I think there's the spirit of these horses as well and what they represent right now in our world. But I also believe that there is a way in which we as the church are able to not just walk with men, but run with these horses and not get trampled like Jim Craig <laughs> from, the, from the man from Story River. But I want to go through this really quick again, setting the context for what I want to really focus on this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. And though these horses that we're, that we're going to be talking about are not here yet, we are not in the tribulation period, I do believe the spirit that influences these horsemen and these riders is here right now. Just as I said, as the spirit of the Antichrist is among us. So in verse 1 it says, As I watched the Lamb broke the first seal, the first of the seven seals on the scroll. If you want to read more or hear more about this, Go to our website, go back towards the first year, and I preach through all of Revelation chapter 6, uh, so you can get more context in this, but we're going to re, re go through this a little bit. It says, Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a loud, a voice like thunder, Come! I looked up, and I saw a white horse standing there. 
Its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. Now, this person on the white horse is the Antichrist. It says that he carries a bow, and that he has a crown on his head. Now, a, a bow is used for one thing, right? It's for war. And I was trying to think about this. When, when you go back in the olden times, uh, like in... Um, you know, when you have knights and the Templar and all those people, once you, the archers would come and they, they'd loose all these arrows, and then they'd come and hit the enemy. I mean, I've, I've thought about this too. That freaked me out, you know, the, the, the chaos, the worry. Oh no, am I going to get hit by one of these arrows? And that's kind of what the bow represents. It represents disruption, panic, chaos. And then the crown represents somebody who has authority, who is a leader. So we can see with this first horse... That there is going to be disruption, there's going to be chaos, there's going to be panic, but then there's going to be somebody else who has a plan, who has ideas, things that look like solutions, but as you go through the book of Revelation, you find out they're not really good solutions. Now, I'm, I'm going to look at COVID for a second, but there's been this time of chaos right now as we are approaching this day of the Lord, and isn't it interesting how many, there are so many ideas of solutions to our problems, well, if you can just separate, well, if you can just stay in your house, well, if you shut everything down, maybe, just maybe, we'll do it again. All this, this, this false hope and things out there, this spirit of this white horse, I believe is very evident in our culture right now. Everybody seems to have a solution, but it's really not that great of a solution. And how does it leave people more panicked? More confused, not knowing what to do next. The spirit of this white horse is one of disruption and of deception. You see, as these final end times approach us, we're going to see an increase, I believe, in disruption in our lives, an increase of deception among us in the world, and unfortunately, we're going to see it in the church too. And it's not because it's supposed to happen to the church, but because there's people in the church who really aren't living out their faith the way they're supposed to be. This is a testing time to really see, am I living what I say I believe? And we'll get more into that in a moment. So there's a lot of chaos. But someone's going to come with these supposed solutions to all the problems the world faces. And this is who the Antichrist is, and this is how he comes into power. But the Spirit is here right now. Let's keep going. Verse 4, it says, Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and there was slaughter everywhere. So this red horse, I believe it represents fear and violence. And we, we see that now. I mean, we see that there's a great spirit of fear, of loss of life. There's violence everywhere. Not just in, around the world, but in our cities amongst families, all this stuff taking place, and we see it intensifying in this time. And there are people being trampled by this horse right now. Let's keep reading. Verses 5 and 6. When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. I looked up and I saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, a loaf, of, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. Don't, and don't waste the olive oil and the wine. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, scales were used for commerce. 
They were used for, for exchanging goods. So when they were uh, going out and buying and selling, scales were used to measure how much things weighed, all right? So this is representing an economy. So uh, the black horse, it, it, it literally re or represents economic collapse, economic uncertainty. We're seeing this right now. Again, I mean, think about this. Uh, we have like the best stock market in history, and then it drops like 11,000 points in a month. Then it shoots back up, and now we're hearing stuff again. We have all this economic uncertainty taking place. There is a spirit of economic collapse that's trying to destroy things in this world. And I mean, I don't want to get off track because I, I, I think that that's leading towards, but let's keep going. Am I, am I right with that? Do you, do you notice that? Are you a little, uh, well, I'm not going to say fearful, but uncertain about what your future could look like economically? Yeah. Our country, possibly the world, maybe different solutions that need to be put in place for that? All of this is leading up towards the end times that we're, that we're running into here. I'm not trying to scare anyone, okay? That's not it. But hopefully, you hear these things, you can see the, 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 the reality of this, of the situations that we're living in this season, and as the Bible says, look up, your salvation is near. But also, as a pastor, you know, I mean... I'm not your dad, I'm not, I'm not your father, I'm not Father Brian, I'm not Catholic. But, you know, as a pastor, my job is to care for those who are, you know, under my care, to be, to be a good pastor. And, you know, even like, like as a dad, I mean, if, if my girls want something, I want to do all I can to give it to them. And I wish I could just say, okay, just do this, do this, and you don't have to worry about any of it. And I can't do that. Just like I, Tara and I, we think about our girls, we think about their lives, once they're no longer in our houses, I'm thinking... Okay, I can't do everything for them, but hopefully we can show them a way to live their life to where they have a good life. And as a pastor, that's my same heart. I want to be able to provide good biblical principles. If we apply them to our lives, when these things come, when, these things are, when we're going through these situations, that we can stand on God's promises and not just get weary as we're walking, around, walking among men, but actually run with horses. We'll get there soon. Let's get to this last verse. Revelation 6, 7, and 8. It says, When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard a fourth living being say, Come. I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These, were two, these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So why do I say we're not in the tribulation period yet? Because literally, the Bible says one quarter of the world's population will die in the tribulation period. In just one instance in this. We've got, what, seven billion people in this world? I've yet to see a billion, almost two billion people die in the world at one time. It just hasn't happened. So anyways, we see the spirit of these horses, I believe, alive right now, influencing the world. So now let's talk about this prophecy that I've been talking about in the Old Testament. There was a guy named Jeremiah, and he prophesied that a time would come where God's people would not be ready for what is approaching them. And we can see this throughout history so many times where God's people have been caught unprepared for what's to come. And here we are again in a season as the day of the Lord is approaching where some people just aren't prepared. In Matthew 24, again in this all that discourse, it says that in the end times will be like in the days of Noah. Where people were buying and selling and being given in marriage, and all of a sudden destruction came upon them. 
And if you know the flood with Noah, there was only eight people who made it on the ark, and the rest were caught unprepared. As the day of the Lord approaches, we as the body of Christ, we as the church, as sons and daughters of God, should be able to be prepared for what is coming. So we're not found weary or wasted or scared or, or falling away. But we will find ourselves standing strong among men, but also among the season, this, this, this spirit of, of death, of chaos, of destruction, of fear, that we can rise above these things and really to glorify God and be that example for other people around us. Amen? Amen. So Jeremiah... He prophesies about this time where God's people would not be ready. I was trying to think of, I think I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this joke uh, a couple weeks ago or not, but, you know, God was talking to Gabriel, and, and uh, God says, so have you, we've got our calendar out. Are we ready for the 2020s? And he goes, yeah, I've got it all, all in place right now. It's, it's in effect right now. And he goes, well, wait a minute. You said 2020s? I thought you said 2020. Oh, no, I put 10 years of chaos into one year. Oh, well. <laughs> this time that we've been in, it has been crazy, right? I mean, I, I've talked to some people that they're like, I don't know how much more of this I can handle. The idea of going into more lockdowns, we see all this different stuff taking place, and all these things, like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. These crazy times. When will it ever get back to normal? Will it ever get back to normal? We don't know. I don't know. But if we can recognize the spirits behind what we're dealing with, I believe as Christians, as moms and dads, as families, as individuals, as business owners, as leaders, we can prepare for what's coming, what has come upon us, and rise above it as we should. Live in the authority that God has given us. This is what Jeremiah is going to be speaking about in this verse I'm about to share with you. God is speaking to his people, and he says this in Jeremiah 12, verse 5. He says, If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on an open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? So it's basically saying, when, when times, when, when, if you fail when times are not that difficult... How are you going to really make it when times are hard? And as Christians, we're supposed to. We rely on, on God for our strength. And we rise above these moments. I think it was, uh, maybe you can tell me this, is, was, it, was it Proverbs 24 we read this last week? Uh, 24 one says, if you, if you faint in the day of your adversity, your strength is small. That's what it says in the New King James Version, I believe. That This aligns with this verse here. If you faint... If you fall when times are just kind of tough, how are you going to make it three times when it gets really tough? Well, we find our strength in the Lord. We're not to be weary. We don't need to be afraid. But we need to get ready to run with what's coming. Right? Amen. That's this is saying. With what we're facing here and now, in this moment, we don't need to get trampled to the ground, we can actually keep pace and, and run with horses. I'm telling you, that this, this scares me to death. This guy looks like he's having fun up here on the screen. I would never run with horses. You ever been stepped on by a horse? It hurts. I'm just telling you. 
let me encourage you with this. You're going to make it through this. And it's not just a matter of a COVID season. Any seasons of life, we have all faced disaster. We have faced discouragements. We've, we've faced hard times of loss. But God's with you, right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Strength to make it through adversities. And I believe that God can help us in this season. You see, we can be in a season of disruption, deception, fear, violence, economic uncertainty, even death, and rise above it as believers. Why? Because God's word has given us this promise. He has given us ways in which we are to live our lives, conduct ourselves, to rise above these hard times. And not just walk with men, but run with horses. But how do we do this? Everything we need is found in God's word. He gives us answers in how to deal with what's before us, but also rise above it. God's word, he promises, promises us these things. And so now we're going to focus on exactly where, where this is going to take us. So you can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5, Paul is sort of giving a dissertation of his end times wrap up. All the things that take place from the rapture of the church to things that take place in the tribulation. But then also he gives us, and starting in verse 12, I think, we'll see here soon, chapter 5, verse 12, a checklist of how we are to conduct ourselves in these end times as believers. And there's nine of them. I'm not going to give you nine points this morning. We'll focus on four. We'll hit five next week. But I want to talk about how you can prepare yourself for seasons of hardship. Seasons of death or economic collapse. Seasons of where there's deception or fear or violence. All these things. God gives us a checklist. How you conduct yourself to rise above. Nine things. When you're tired. When you're confused. When you're upset. You can go to these and say, am I doing this? Yes. Am I doing this? Yes. Am I doing this? Yes. And so I want to encourage you two things, even just read 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5 between this week and next, but also from, from chapter 5 verse 12 to, I don't have the, the lower part on here, but from chapter 5, 12, you'll see these nine things, these little short verses. I mean, and if you know anything about Paul, he usually talks in like super long sentences, compound sentences, little, you know, semicolons that keep on running and running and running. But yet here we have in these verses like, pray without ceasing. You know, rejoice always. They're like, bam, 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 bam. Do these things. And so you can see the nine that are on here pretty easy. So let's look through these. How do you not get overwhelmed or overtaken when you're in seasons of difficulty? How do you actually rise above them and overcome these things? First is this, number one, stay covered and overcome. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. There's something about having a covering in your life. In fact, God made us this way. He, he made us to be a part of a family. He, he made us to be... I don't want to use the word subjected because we're not subjects, we're citizens... But, you know, he made us to have people of authority over our lives, to give us guidance, to give us protection, to give us counsel. I think this, is a, this doesn't just apply to church. I mean, 
Our, our governor, even though he does things I may not agree with, he is a covering in my life. He's a, he's a civil authority. We should be praying for him. Amen? We, we, we should be saying, God, give this man wisdom. Because whether he acknowledges it or not, God has placed him there. And God would actually like him to follow biblical counsel. Oh, I have to keep my mouth shut because I was going to say something really, not about him, about another one. But uh, I'll let it go. Anyways, so we have civil coverings. You have spiritual coverings. You have a pastor. You have uh, work-related coverings. You have bosses, right? And some of you are the boss. And so you have a responsibility for those who are under your care. You have familial coverings and moms and dads, grandparents, you know, patriarchs or matriarchs within your family. God has made us to be covered. And so as we come into these times, you need to ask yourself, do you have a covering? And when I say like a, a civil covering again, it doesn't mean like, oh, they say this, I better do it. They say this, I better do it. It's more of a heart condition. Are you honoring those who are placed over you? And I find the best way to do that often is to be praying for them. Or are you alone? It really comes down to this. It's coming to this determination. I'm not going to live my life alone. I'm not going to run this race alone. I'm not going to try to handle this season by myself. I said last week, you know, Hebrews 10.25 says, you know, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. And as the day approaches, you should be doing it more so. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, in the New King James, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. The Bible talks about how we need each other. In fact, God did not make us to be isolated. God made us for families. He made us for relationship. You and I were not made to go through hard seasons of life alone. And this is the hard season right now. The, 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 spirit, the spirits of these horses that, that are coming into the end times, you can't go off on your own. You need others, and you need a covering. Ephesians 5, 30-32, it says, And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. It didn't say a man leaves his mother and father and goes off on his own. As he's supposed to be joined to another. This is a great mystery, but it is also an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. God has spiritual authority for each and every one of us in our lives for our good. It's not for our oppression. It's not to tell us what to do. It's to help us as the time of his coming draws near. See, God puts structure in our lives really to bless us, to protect us, to keep us safe. As I said, civil leadership, spiritual leadership, workplace leadership, family leadership. All of these are coverings in our lives to keep us. So Paul starts this checklist of end times preparedness with honoring the leaders who are in your life. And they're supposed to do God's work. And you say, well, my dad's not a very godly man. My governor's not a very godly man. They're supposed to be. This is how God intended it. And you know, even, even with that, I remember when, I was, when we were youth pastors, and you know, some kids, you know, they, they, they'd come into our youth ministry and they didn't have very good home lives. They'd say, how do you expect me to honor my dad? 
And say, you know what? You just do it. Because God will bless you. Pray for your parents. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your bosses. Ask God to bless them. It's just the way God made it work. And in doing that, you are putting yourself in a great position to not get trampled by horses. First, uh, going further down, verse 13, it says, Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. When times get tough, when things are hard, you're supposed to run to a safe place. Have you ever heard the phrase, there's safety in numbers? That's how it is. But you know, this is just a sort of a, a side note, but you know, as a pastor, a lot of times when people, a lot of times when people, not a lot of times, but at, there's, there's certain people that when times get tough, they run away. Or when there's, when there's, there's, there's a tough situation, rather than confronting it and trying to, to take care of a misunderstanding, they'll say, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else, or I'm just going to go off by myself. People who run away, they end up doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. That's what, what I see often. You're supposed to run to those, not away from everyone. Second is this. Minister to others and overcome. There is a, a pastor in, in Phoenix, Arizona, where I went to Bible college. He coined the phrase, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. And he often says that, you know, you, you, everybody has needs in their life. So sow into those needs. Don't just expect us to receive, give. And he talked about how he said, if you feel discouraged, then you need to go and do something for somebody. Encourage somebody else. If you're discouraged, encourage somebody else and you will be encouraged. Amen. Give what you want to receive. In fact, that's biblical, I think. <laughs> doing to others, you have them doing to you, you know? Something like that. We know that it's sort of like a, a Bible rule. But here, Paul gives this, this, this second thing. He said, minister to others and overcome. Verse 14 says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. You see, everybody has issues. But rather than just pointing them out, maybe we should minister to those issues. There's people who are alone. There's people who are discouraged. There's people who actually have need. And you might be one of those people, but I'm telling you, as a Christian, as a son and daughter of God, sow into those needs to other people. Go into action for those who are getting trampled on by the horses. You know? Pull them out of those situations. You have a choice to either just, just protect yourself or take actions to help others as well. And I'll be honest, this is often a thought like, well, I better take care of myself here, I better take care of myself here, but what about everybody else? As the day approaches, we need to look towards the needs of others. In a season of distress, dis disappointment, death, how are you going to encourage those other people that may be facing the exact same things that you're facing? The same fears. You're going to have a choice to make. Will you put others before yourself, or will you put yourself above the needs of others? I, I found that what ministry does for me, and this is what it is, I mean, find a ministry 
Now, I know this is like a Christian word, but you, you, really what you're doing is you're finding a purpose in God. How can you serve other people? That's your ministry. And I find that when I find a ministry, when I find a purpose, I find that I'm also encouraged. I find that I am empowered. I'm finding that I have people around me because I'm going towards those things that God has for my life. When I help others, it helps me. That's what it really comes down to. So what's your ministry? How are you taking action on behalf of others, or are you just looking out for yourself? Paul says if you're going to run with horses, you've got to look out for others too, and not just you. Have you ever, this, this, this goes along, have you ever thought, this is how my mind works sometimes, have you ever thought, I wish I wasn't born in this time? And so with that, here's the flip side of that, when would you have liked to have been born? For me, it's always the cowboys' times. Even though I don't really like horses, the idea of just, oh, I can carry guns now, but you know, just the, the, the Wild West just sounds intriguing to me. Just land that's never been touched, exploring, all those things. I thought, man, why did I have to be born in this time? I would have much rather been a cowboy. And then maybe I would have liked horses. Or I could have got a wagon, I guess. <laughs> but have you ever thought this too? I wish I could have been born in, in a past time, but know all that I know right now. And that would have been pretty cool too. But let's put that daydream aside for a moment and think about this. God knew when you were going to be born. God knew that you would be alive in this season right now. In fact, God made you for this season right now. For this specific time in history, he made you, again, to be a mom and a dad, to be a pastor, to be a school teacher, to work at Smith's, to be at the post office. He made you for the people that are in your life right now. He placed you in this place in East Lewis County for a purpose right now. In his sovereign design, God placed you here in 2020, facing these things right now. I think that's amazing. It's extremely humbling. And that helps me to get my focus back onto what's important. God has you here for others. Are you doing your job in that? Third, third number on the checklist is found in verse 15. To see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. So my, the third thing is this, accept grace and give grace. And you can overcome. You can run with horses in this. You know, a lot of times we, we confuse mercy with grace. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? It's where you've done something wrong. You're like, no, have mercy on me, my Lord. I'm going back to Robin Hood or whatever. And they're like, okay, we won't do this to you. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. So it's where you receive mercy, and then the very thing that maybe you, you, you took or you don't deserve, they're like, you know what? Not only am I going to not judge you or punish you, I'm going to actually invest into you. And this is what God did for us. And this is what we're supposed to do for others. Think about in this time right now during this COVID season, how many opportunities to give grace that you and I have had. Finding ways to not just forgive people, but to give towards them to help them in situations. Giving into the deficits that people have taken out of your lives. I don't know about you, 
But for myself right now, I find myself on edge more now than I probably have been at any other point in my life. And I can tell you that with, with two words. Arrows and face masks. I hate arrows on floors. I was at Walmart. Well, actually, they don't have it at Walmart anymore. But, you know, I've been in stores, just trying to mind my own business, get my shopping done, and all of a sudden I'm going the wrong way. Oh no, I'm halfway down the aisle. And then that person sees me, and I see them. And I'm like, I'm not turning around, I'm going through you? Is that grace? Anybody, is that grace? No, it's not grace. Coming out of Costco the other day, and I've shared this story a number of times now, but coming out of Costco trying to do what they say, and as soon as they check my receipt off, my little mask's coming down. And it's like people come in, and then it's like I pull down, they're like, just glaring at me, and I'm glaring right back at him. And I actually feel myself getting riled up, like, just say something, please say something. I'm not doing very good on this checklist here. I need to be able to give grace. Giving people what they don't deserve. What they deserve is a piece of my mind. In my mind, and they're probably thinking the same thing. And actually, they're probably giving me grace, and here I wasn't even giving it back to them. Because they could have said something, and they didn't. As the day approaches, we need to give grace. We need to invest into these deficits that others are, are, are taking from us. They don't just deserve our forgiveness. They, they deserve the investment of our lives to them. God's calling us to step into situations that could put us on edge, but instead of doing bad, we do good. We let that light shine in our lives. We're living in a time right now where people don't need to get what they deserve, but they need to get what they need. Does that make sense? And they need grace. Fourth is this. Joy. We need to have joy in our lives to overcome. If we want to be able to walk with men but also run with horses, we need joy. Amen. Great verse to memorize right here. How, how many of you memorize scripture? Don't, uh, right now, we're going we're to memorize this together. Say, always be joyful. First Thessalonians 5.16. Can you say it again? There you go. You've memorized scripture just like that. Okay. But how do you be joyful? When you are overwhelmed, when you are frustrated, when you're at your wit's end, how do you do this? When you don't know what to do. It's, it's really simple. You make the choice. You say, I will be joyful. I choose joy. You're not going to feel it. You just have to do it. Amen. That's, right. That's really how it comes down to. I don't do it because I want to do it. I do it because I'm supposed to do it. I choose joy. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the last line of that verse says, Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. You can put any word in there. Don't be uh, depressed. Don't be grieved. Don't be angry. But choose joy, because that's where you find your strength. That's where you find your strength as a Christian, is in the joy of the Lord. 
So how do we do this? By staying under the right covering? By seeking to do good for others in ministry? By giving grace? All of these little things on our checklist allow us to be in a position to be joyful. I'm just going to do it. I choose joy. No matter what happens here, in my life, in my town, in my state, in our country, the world, I choose joy. I don't choose cynicism. I don't choose negativity. I don't choose any of that stuff. I choose joy first. Amen? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be joyful in the middle of whatever circumstance, season, or situation that I face. I know it's not easy. And a lot of times we find, okay, well, I'm just going to be unhappy. Well, I'm just going to be mad. Well, I'm just going to be depressed. Let me ask you this. You can do that, but is that really a good option for you? How is that helping your life? How is that helping your family? How is that doing anything good? It's not. So I have to choose something different. I have to choose joy in my life. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. We probably memorize this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Another verse. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There you go. You've, you've memorized two scriptures in one day about joy. Why does it say it twice? Because it's so easy to get sidetracked. We say, I'm going to be full of joy. And all of a sudden we get cut off on the road. And we lose our joy that fast. So we have to rejoice. Choose joy again and again and again and again. It's a choice to praise God in all things. So, I'm telling you this as a word of encouragement, but also caution. The day of the Lord is approaching. I can see it. The seasons of the end are upon us. The, the, the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of these horses is everywhere. And I see people looking every other which way other than up. And the Bible says very clearly, it says, as the day approaches, look up. Your salvation is near. And as I maintain under a covering, as I try to find ways to help other people, as I give grace and choose joy, those are four things on my checklist that keep my focus where it needs to be. It may not solve all your problems, it may not take things away, but at least you see what you need to see and you're going the direction you need to go. Amen? So I want to encourage you in this season right now. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if it's going to get worse or if it's going to get better. But I know God has given me things, a checklist to follow. Go back over this checklist all the time. Even ask yourself right now, do I feel that word in uh, Nehemiah 8 verse 10 was good? If you're dejected. If you, if you feel like you're depressed or dejected or grieved or you're scared or, or, or these things, go over that checklist and say, okay, am I under a covering? Yes or no? Am I doing things for other people? Do I have a ministry? Do I have purpose? Yes or no? Am I giving grace to those who need it? Yes or no? Am I 
joyful and rejoicing? Yes or no? And as you go down these checklists, it can really give you a, a uh, you know, a spiritual temperature of where you're at. And if you're not doing these things, start doing them, and you will see your life turn around. You will find yourself, rather than being trampled by horses and overtaken by men, you're going to be running with horses. Amen? That's where we need to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word every single week that you speak to us. You give us what we need to stand strong, but not just to stand, but to run. And Father, I pray for each person here today, and Father, those who are listening or watching online, God, if they have felt depressed, if they have felt overwhelmed, if they have felt like they've been overtaken by the circumstances of this world, the spirits of these horses, God, as, this, as, as your day approaches, and they say, I just don't know if I can keep going on. Right now I ask, ask the Lord for grace, for intervention by the Holy Spirit into their lives. And just let us ask these questions. Am I under a covering? Am I doing things for other people? Am I giving grace? Am I joyful? And Father, by your Holy Spirit, show us those areas right now that we are not, where we're not, where we can't check that off the box. And Father, help us right now to start doing them. You've given us what we need to overcome. And we choose this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.